It's March Madness. It's the Sweet 16. I'm thinking hoops, our founding fathers, and the Equality Act. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were as different as oil and water and yet absolutely united in their vision of independence. And I'm wondering if it is a vision that's disappearing from the scene in America today. You may ask, well, well, how so? Well, to me, it's an op-ed article appearing in the USA Today and the Equality Act. Hamel Javari is a former USA Today race and inclusion editor and now editor and columnist at For the Win. This week, USA Today featured an op-ed she wrote entitled, Oral Roberts University Isn't the Feel-Good March Madness Story We Need. Her contention is that Oral Roberts University, one of the Cinderella darlings of the NCAA basketball tournament, I mean, come on, they're a 15th seed playing in the Sweet 16, but that doesn't matter. Javari contends they should be canceled from playing in the NCAA tournament because of, quote, the university's deeply bigoted anti-LGBTQ plus policies can't and shouldn't be ignored. Javari pulls no punches, and let me tell you, her article drips with rhetorical venom. She says, Oral Roberts upholds values that are, quote, a relic of the past. Oral Roberts has, quote, archaic standards of behavior. Oral Roberts is, quote, hateful. Oral Roberts wants to keep students tied to, quote, toxic notions of fundamentalism. Oral Roberts is, quote, steeped in bigotry, a, quote, hotbed of institutional transphobia, quote, hateful ideology. Really? My friend Ed Stetzer, professor and dean at Wheaton College, responded to the outlash against ORU in a piece USA Today printed entitled, No, Oral Roberts University Basketball Doesn't Deserve to Be Canceled from NCAA Sweet 16. In his article, Stetzer highlights the amazing amount of good to emanate from Oral Roberts and other faith-based institutions and businesses. I love what Ed does, reflecting on the new moral dogma of Javari and others, which is essentially, hey, you sign on to the Soji ideology or be canceled. And about that, Ed writes, not satisfied that we respect opposing views on human sexuality, all must now affirm homosexuality as acceptable within our own theology. There can no longer be any disagreement, only compliance. In that last line there, to me, Ed Stetzer captures the ideological challenge before us when it comes to sexual orientation and gender identity. He writes, no disagreement allowed, only compliance. And that is where Adams and Jefferson enter the scene. You see, Javari and the Equality Act currently before Congress are so far from the vision of our founding fathers. So let me go back to two of them, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. You know, Adams and Jefferson died on the same day, don't you? And that day just happened to be the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Now that's interesting to say the least. Think about that. 
If both men went to an insurance agent on July 4, 1776, and they took out an insurance policy that paid out only in the event both men died on July 4, 1826, the mathematical probability of that occurring would be 1 in over 2 billion. Interesting, to say the least. But I digress. <laughs> Distinguished Harvard historian Samuel Eliot Morrison recounts the final days of these two founding fathers and their final words. For those of you who regularly join me on my walk, you know that right about now I would be treating you to a short audible clip from the book. Sadly, By Land and By Sea, Morrison's collection of essays, is not available on Audible. So, you get me. Bear with me, though, because I'm going to read one long paragraph and then one very short paragraph. But we need both to understand why Javari and the Equality Act are so far removed from our founding fathers. Now, as I read this, remember, Adams is 90, Jefferson is 83, and Morrison writes this. Calmly, the years passed for old Mr. Jefferson on his hilltop in Virginia, whence he could look down on the rising buildings of the university or westward to the Blue Ridge. And in equal tranquility, the years passed for old Mr. Adams on his hillside in Massachusetts, looking out over the spires and housetops of Quincy to Massachusetts Bay and the white sails of passing ships. In October 1825, Adams celebrated his 90th birthday. In the following April, Jefferson passed 83. The 50th anniversary of independence was approaching. Both patriarchs were invited to take a leading place in the national celebration, but neither had the strength to accept. Jefferson, in declining, wrote his last letter reiterating what he had believed and practiced all his life, that the Declaration of Independence meant not merely the political independence of the United States, but the freedom of mankind from ignorance, tyranny, and superstition, and, quote, the free right to the unbounded exercise of reason and freedom of opinion, period, close quote. So, quote, let the annual return of this day forever refresh our recollections of those rights and an undiminished devotion to them, he wrote. John Adams meant all of that, we may be certain, when in reply to a local orator who asked him for a 4th of July sentiment, he snapped out, Independence forever. Now, when I first read that, my aha moment was this. The Declaration of Independence meant the free right to the unbounded exercise of reason and freedom of opinion. And this is where we get back to March Madness and Javari and Oral Roberts University. The problem with Javari and many in the LGBTQ movement is that they stand in opposition to Adams and Jefferson. It's as if they're saying you don't have the right to the unbounded exercise of reason and freedom of opinion. As Dr. Stetzer pointed out, these days it's no disagreement allowed, only compliance. And as I see it, compliance 
is replacing independence in the national psyche. And I believe the Equality Act will only hasten the move from independence to compliance as a reigning national value. And if this seems like hype, believe me, it's not hype. It's not rhetoric. It's fact. H.R. 5 is inappropriately named the Equality Act. Why so? Well, for it removes, rather than sanctions, what Jefferson said, the free right to the unbounded exercise of reason and freedom of opinion embedded in our independence. Now, let me explain the two ways the Equality Act will replace independence with compliance. First, the Equality Act strips the protection of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 for institutions like Oral Roberts University or Lancaster Bible College, where I serve, or many, many others. The Equality Act clearly states, and I've read the legislation, the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act quote, shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under a covered title or provide a basis for challenging the application or enforcement of a covered title. And I'm reading that and I'm saying so much for Jefferson and Adam's idea of the unbounded exercise of reason and freedom of opinion. Under the Equality Act, one is entitled to one's opinion, so long as his or her opinion does not disturb the new Soji ideology and morality. Now, the second thing is the Equality Act rewrites the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And what it does is it changes the words used to describe prohibitions on discrimination relative to public accommodations, public facilities, public education, federal funding, and employment. And it changes those words from, quote, without discrimination or segregation on the ground of race, color, religion, or national origin. And it changes those words to say this, without discrimination or segregation on the ground of race, color, religion, sex, including sexual orientation and gender identity, or national origin. And I'm reading this and I'm saying this is problematic to say the least because the bill guarantees both religion and sex, including sexual orientation and gender identity, as categories which cannot be discriminated against. And you look at that and you say, wait a minute, that's problematic. And since the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, which is the safeguard of institutions like ORU and LBC and thousands of other institutions that do love people and, yes, do disagree on matters relative to sexual identity practices. And the reason we do is because our ideology is tied to a transcendent reality and not the immediacy of a psychology of self that, that exalts this expressive individualism over any canon of belief save its own. And as a result of the loss of the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, groups like ours will no longer be able to appropriately discriminate to protect our deeply held religious beliefs. So Javari's op-ed piece is a big deal. And the Equality Act is a big deal. And the words of my friend Ed Stetzer is the essence of the deal. 
If the Equality Act and the proponents of this new Soji ideology have their way, it will be, as Ed said, no disagreement allowed, only compliance. If they have their way, soon we're going to be mopping the floor of the NCAA basketball tournament with the Constitution of the United States. So today, I'm feeling like March Madness really has become, in some ways, the March of Madness. You know, it's time to revisit Adams. It's time to revisit Jefferson. It's time to remember, as the eminent Harvard historian Samuel Eliot Morrison pointed out, the Declaration of Independence meant, as Jefferson said, the free right to the unbounded exercise of reason and freedom of opinion. And that's my thought on my very long walk today with Samuel Eliot Morrison and his collection of essays entitled By Land and by Sea. And now my question is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today?